You guys got done before I did. Well, God is good all the time, and He's doing great things, and it's a challenge for us to be aware of the great things that He's doing sometimes because we get so inundated with the bad news that we get through all the media outlets that we have. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of difficult things going on, but I want you to know the Bible says, how many of you know we can believe the Bible? Oh, I'm hoping there's more than that here that believe the Bible. Um, we can. And the Bible says where sin abounds. Are we seeing sin abound? Grace much more abounds. God always has an abundant provision no matter what we face. It's just whether we're going to pause long enough to disconnect from what's going on, what's causing us all this stress and all this fear and all this worry and all this doubt, all these things that are, are pulling at us and crushing us. If we can disconnect for just a second so that we remind ourselves of the connection we have with God because we're never alone. You know, we are never alone. We, there's no place we can go that God's not there. He, as a Christian, he's come to reside in us. He lives in us. That's how close he wanted to be. He wanted to be closer to you, to everyone, than anyone could be to them. And so we need to recognize and, and respond in kind, realizing that God is not unaware of what's going on in your life. He's not only aware, he cares, and he can do great things about what's going on in your life. He can turn them around and redeem them, work them for good. And, and we need to be people that are living that out every day, realizing, you know what? I didn't expect this. I didn't want this. I, I, I'm not sure what to do, but I know somebody who is sure what to do and can do more than I can, and that's God. Amen? Well, this morning we're gathered together like people are all over this state, this country, this world, to, uh, for various reasons, but it should be to worship God. It should be to fellowship and connect. It should be to hear from, from uh, God's word. You know, the Bible tells us in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And it's talking about our love for God and God's love for other people. And we're seeing that. It also tells us that as we see the day of the return of the Lord approaching, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And again, we're seeing a lot of people saying, you know, I don't need church. There are a lot of people that are deconstructing, that's the new word, deconstructing their faith. And what it is, is it's just a deception by the enemy to loosen the connection with God, his body, and his word. And uh, today, before we get into the word, I, I just felt very compelled by the Spirit of God this week to um, just look at some things before we go to the Word, because when we look at the Scripture, the Scripture is unlike anything else. All right, we have a lot of, of sources for information, for news, um, for guidance. Uh, it, it, there's no lack of it, and it, there's becoming more and more with all these uh, platforms, social platforms. People are giving their opinions like never before, and they're being heard by more people than ever before. But how many of you know not everybody's opinion is accurate? I know yours is, but I'm talking about everybody else. 
right? But, but people are confident of what they believe to be true, and that's their truth. But how many of you know there's a difference between somebody's truth and the real truth most times? Who's the only one that has absolute truth? God. But I will tell you today that most people in our country and in the world believe there's no such thing as absolute truth. That it's truth on a sliding scale. It's truth related to you. You're the reference point. Each person individually has their own truth. And that causes great chaos and, and it causes great instability. And so today uh, I, was, I was just going through some things and just felt like we needed to take a couple of minutes before we went to the message today that we always go to the Word of God. But before we do, we need to understand that the Word of God, the Scriptures, are unlike anything else. All right? Are you ready? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, uh, in the New International Reader's Version, it says this, God has breathed life into all Scripture. It is used for teaching us what is true. What does truth do in our life? Sets us free and keeps us free. How many of you want to stay free today? All right. So it teaches us what's true. It's useful for correcting our mistakes. It's useful for making our lives whole again. It's useful for training us to do what's right. By using Scripture, the servant of God can be completely prepared how many of you know it's really important to be completely prepared in the days we live in? Because stuff's going to happen that wasn't on our radar, we didn't have any idea of, but God can prepare you before you encounter what the enemy is trying to do. Amen? Prepare you to do every good thing. Now, when it says God has breathed life into all Scripture, how did everything come into existence as far as what the Bible tells us occurred in creation? God, did he pull out his, his toolbox and some nails and a hammer and start to go to work? Exactly. He spoke. God spoke light, and it was. God said these different things, and they were. And I want you to understand that word that God spoke back then that created everything seen and unseen is, has the same power as the word you and I read today. There's transformational power. There's eternal power in the word of God. And so when we hear the word of God, it's very important. And I don't remember who it was. Somebody uh, recently, I think it was here, was saying that in times past, in Jesus' day, when the Word of God was, was read or in, in the synagogue, people would stand up to honor the Word of God. You know, it might not be a bad thing for us to go back to that again because it's a reminder. This is not just like the newspaper. It's not just like the news reports. It's not just like anything else. This is the Word of God. This is the word of life. You know, Jesus' disciples, there was a time where the disciples, some of them were, were going to walk away because Jesus said something that they deemed too hard. It wasn't too hard. It's just that they didn't want to do it. That's why it became hard. And he turned to the ones that were still there, and he said, are you going to go too? And Peter turned to him and said, Lord, where, where would we go? You have the words of life. I want you to know there's no place we can go except to God 
and to his word, to have the words of life. And so today, it's important that when we hear the word of God, it's not just a suggestion. It's not somebody's good idea. This came from Almighty God, the one that we have received as our Lord and Master. And so we need to really be aware of, of what the Word of God is saying to us because the Scriptures are unique. They, they, the Bible is unique. It's a book comprised of 66 books written by, they figure, about 40 different people that came at different times in history from different countries with different languages and different occupations. There were kings that have, have been used to write the Bible, but who's the ghostwriter of the Bible? The one behind the ones that wrote? Right, Holy Spirit. And so these people, kings and shepherds and doctors and servants and prophets and priests and fishermen and tax collectors, and the list goes on, but behind all of them was Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that was guiding them and directing them and what to write down to remind us today and help us today to live the way we should. And amazingly enough, this variety of people from a variety of places through a variety of time with a variety of language have a cohesiveness a continuity, a clarity of a common theme. And that theme is God's love for man and salvation for man through Jesus Christ. And there was a man, a professor by the name of Peter Stoner, who was a, a, a science professor, and he did a study. He studied probability, and he did a study. And uh, I, I read this recently, and I just felt it was really important to to share, he wrote a book called Science Speaks, and it was all about the probability of the prophecies in the Bible about Jesus Christ and them being fulfilled by one man and how incredible it was, how amazing it was. And he took eight, just eight prophecies first, and he and a variety of people uh, determined what the probability was. What was the possibility that these things would be accomplished? Not only were they spoken over a vast time by a variety of people, but it, they would be accomplished by one person. And, uh, and so this, these are just some of the eight. He, was he would be born in Bethlehem. He would pr be preceded by a messenger. He'd enter Jerusalem on a donkey, be betrayed by a friend, uh, the betrayer was sold 30 pieces of silver, given 30 pieces of silver, what the silver would be used for, that Christ would be silent before his accusers and executed by crucifixion. Now, we all know those to be true. Is that correct? But when they went through the mathematics of this to determine the probability, how, how possible would it be that one person would fulfill all eight of these. And we know that Jesus fulfilled all eight of these. And, and the scripture tells us what happened, and it was accurate. Um, they came up with the, the solution, and it was one in 10 to the 17th power. 
one in 10 with 17 zeros behind it. I don't know what that is. I, I know what 100 is. I know what 1,000 is. I know what a million is. I know what a trillion is, a billion and a trillion, but I don't go beyond that. So anyways, 10 to the 17th power. And he, Professor Stoner, wanted it to be relatable because that's not a relatable number, right? Do you use that kind of number in your daily lives? Of course not. But he said, here's a, an example that if you took a silver dollar, if you had 10 to the 17th silver dollars, it would cover the state of Texas two feet deep. The entire state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars. Now, for, for this to, to come to pass, the probability would be if you marked one silver dollar and you mixed them all up over the state of Texas, you blindfolded a man, you put him in a, a helicopter, he flew over the state of Texas wherever he wanted to go, told him to land, landed, stepped out of the helicopter, bent down, dug through the two feet of coins right around him and picked up one and it was the coin that was marked. Impossible. Correct? And yet God did it. Every one of those things God did. God does the impossible. And so today we don't have to be afraid. We have, the Bible says, these great and precious promises that enable us to be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in this world. That's a promise to you and me. That he, God knew we would be in this fallen, broken world that's getting darker and more desperate all the time. And yet he has given us, not only himself by his spirit in us, he's given us his word. The words of life. His word that doesn't return void. He said that he, he heaven and earth would pass away before any of his word would pass away. So we have the most sure thing in our life. There's nothing more sure in your life than God and his word. And it should cause us to, number one, have a sense of security, have a sense of peace, have a sense of confidence no matter what we're facing because God is the God of the impossible. And scripture also goes on to tell us that in Proverbs... 30 verse 5, every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. And then in Jeremiah 1.12 it says, God is saying, I'm alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Folks, I, I want you today to realize when you hear the word of God, it's unlike anything else. And not only are you listening to it, God's listening to it. When God's word is prayed, when it's spoken, when it's shared, it's not just between two people. God Almighty is listening and seeing what can he do according to his word on your behalf. And that's why we always go to the word. We sometimes share what people's experiences are, but it's the word of God that is of utmost importance in our lives. It's life and health to us. It's a light to us. It's, it's, it's what sets us free and keeps us free. And so 
with that in mind this morning, I just want to pray and we're going to head into the word and please open your hearts, not just to the word of God coming into it, but Holy Spirit in you, revealing things that you need to really take and hold in your heart that you need to make adjustments in because we all do need to make adjustments. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not leaving us alone, for coming and residing in us, living in us by your spirit, but also providing for us this amazing gift of your word, of the scriptures. Father, help us not become complacent or so familiar that we have your word available to us that it becomes common. Your word is anything but common. Your word is extraordinary. And Father, today we want to receive your word that is life-giving, that is liberating, that is energizing and affecting our lives in a way that we would grow and become everything that you have created us to be so that we can do everything you have intended us to do. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word going forth and not returning void. We thank you that today you said you would confirm your word with signs and wonders following whether that's healing or deliverance, whatever it is, Father, we just thank you for doing what only you can do. And we will look to you and listen for you and be led by you, trusting you to guide us, to govern us, and to guard us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So, again, we've been going back to this. We're going to go back to it because it's something that Jesus spoke and, and in John chapter 15, where we've been learning about fruit bearing, remember, remember the setting. Does anybody remember what the setting was? Where was Jesus and his disciples when he was teaching them this? All right, it was after the Last Supper. They had left the upper room. They were headed out of Jerusalem. They were headed towards the Mount of Olives, where Jesus was going to pray before he was betrayed by Judas. And they're walking through the Kidron Valley. It's a little valley between the Temple Mount, that area, and Jerusalem. And up on the other side is the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives. And as they're walking, he, this is one of the last times that Jesus is going to have some peace and quiet, some serenity to be able to be with his disciples. And he takes that time, directed by his father, to begin to teach them about fruit bearing. And, and he says to them, he teaches us this amazing teaching that is so applicable and so important to our lives and to their lives because they were about to face the most tumultuous times in their walk with their Lord. And he wanted them prepared. And this is what Jesus said. I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch 
that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And he goes on, but we're, we're just stopping here today because we have been studying this and looking at this, these words of Jesus that are some of the last words that he's going to speak here on earth before he goes to the cross, before he goes into the grave, before he pays the price for sin, before his resurrection. He's saying these things, and these things are obviously of great importance to him because he wasn't going to waste this precious time. And so he explains, because while they're walking, they're actually walking through vineyards. And so in the light of a full moon, he grabs a bunch of grapes, most likely, or he stops and looks at the vines that are on either side of them, all around them, and he begins to teach this. And he, he's talking about the fact that our lives as Christians are supposed to be progressive. We're supposed to be continuing from wherever we find Christ, okay? We find him. He doesn't find us. He knows where we are. He's always been there for us. But the light goes on one day, and we turn to Christ, and we trust in him. We receive the forgiveness from our sins and cleansing from all unrighteousness, and we become a born-again child of God. And that's the beginning. It's the end of, the Bible tells us what it ends. It ends the reign of sin in our lives. The power of sin at that moment is broken off our lives. And before that point, sin was our master. We were driven by sin. But after that point, we are free from sin, but we can still sin by choice. Not because we're driven to it, we choose to do it. But God is taking us in a progressive work from glory to what? To what? To what? And eventually on into eternal glory. But it's an always increasing, ever increasing, just like the life that we have in Christ. Jesus came to give us life and life what? More abundant. And, and right now, wherever you are, how great your life is or how terrible your life is, God has better. Thanks, Dennis. I'm glad Dennis is excited about that. But I'm excited about it too, Dennis. I really am. I am so blessed. I'm more blessed than I've ever been. Am I challenged? Yeah, I've been more challenged than I have ever been. But the blessings outweigh the challenges, and the blessings help carry us through the challenges into the next level. You know, Mar not Marilyn Hickey, but I'm trying to think of her name. Very Joyce Myers says, new levels, new devils. And it's true. You get some victories, the enemy's not going to just roll over and say, well, I guess they're, they're just too good for me. He's going to come after you harder and, and uh, in a more stealth manner. And we have to understand, the enemy is defeated. The Bible says, greater is he that is in where? Yeah, in you. Than he that's in the world. It's not just God sitting on the throne in heaven. He resides. Holy Spirit resides in you. 
He's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's the one that causes you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited. And I, I want to see, I want to see all God has for me to be for his glory and for the benefit of the people around me because I want to fulfill his will. But I believe that's why you're here. You want to fulfill his will too. But for that to happen, we've got to go from where we started with him. We need to continue to progress. You know, through the life of the disciples, there was a progressive work. They didn't stay the same. They became transformed. And that's what's supposed to be happening in our lives. And just like this, there's a place where we start out with Christ where there's no fruit in our lives. And then because of God working, us allowing God, it's a partnership with God, there are three stages. The first stage is from no fruit to fruit, and that requires God lifting us. Now, it says he cuts away, but it actually means lifts away or lifts up, or it's through discipline and chastening. God educates us what the new kingdom is like. We need to make adjustments and discipline and train to be be on track in that kingdom. And as we do, fruit begins to grow in our lives. And that fruit is for the glory of God. It proves we're true followers of Jesus. And it's what Jesus called and ordained us to do. So we're, we're on track with God and we start to bear this fruit. But how many of you know that, that God wants you to have the best and to be the best? Yes? Good, because he does. There's no one in your life that wants that more for you than him. And there's no one in your lives and my life that can do more to make that possible. But God's not going to do it on his own. He's going to work with us. And when God begins to educate us and lift us out of the sin that's still working in our lives, we've been forgiven, but we can still go back to sin. And that sin that we allow to work in our lives, we choose to work in our lives causes death to occur because the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life so that sin God wants us to begin to push away from that sin stop doing what we've always done the way we've always done it just because it's been a habit or it's what we we feel that we can't break free of God has set us free Jesus has set us free and we need to walk in that freedom but then from that fruit place of fruit God has for us to bear more fruit. And what it says here in verse 2 and 3, uh, it tells us that when we uh, bear fruit, he prunes us so that what will happen? There'll be more fruit, more fruit. And it goes on to say in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. These two are connected. But when we have fruit, he begins to prune us. Now, the, the King James says purge. And this original word does mean to remove, to cut off, to prune, to purge, to cleanse. And what it is, when we look at this, we think, well, you know, I'm, get, I'm bearing fruit. Why are you pruning me? Because when you prune something, is it comfortable for what you're pruning? I'm so glad the trees that I have to prune around our house don't have a voice because I can't imagine. 
I can't imagine what it's like when that tree is going through that or that bush is going through that um, because it's not comfortable. And you would think, well, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm, I've got fruit and you're taking me to more fruit, but don't hurt me. You know, we associate pain with bad. And that's not always the truth. I shared with you that I was in pain in my back and that was bad. But the surgeon caused some other pain and that was good. And there was healing pain. It was giving me progress and it still is. And I'm so grateful. And so there are times that you, to become what God has for you to become, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a little more difficult than normal. You know, if you want to get in shape, you don't sit on the couch. Well, I guess you could get in some sort of shape, but it wouldn't be good. But if you want to get in good shape, and God wants you to be the best you can be, it's going to take you expending effort and being focused and disciplined and doing what you won't, don't want to do when you don't want to do it. I know, we all know what this means, but it's true. And yet sometimes we want to just settle in. There are Christian campers, and we shouldn't be Christian campers. Now, I'm not saying that Louie's laughing over there because Louie and, and the family go camping on a yearly basis at least. Camping is great when we're talking about naturally in the world. It's a lot of fun. But as a Christian, you don't camp. You climb. You keep climbing from glory to glory. The moment we start to camp, we start losing out because God's continuing on. And we're going to start to lose that connection. Not that, that we're not saved. We're saved. But we're not in step with God. And there's a cost to that. There's a price to pay for that. And, and it's not that God wants that to happen, but he wants to lead you into the best. It's just like the children of Israel. There were some that stayed on the other side and never went into the promised land. Don't be one of those Christians. Don't say, well, this is good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. Don't make comfort your God. Allow Christ to always be Lord and continue to follow him. And, and so... He prunes us. And we looked last week at Jesus' life where Jesus was very, very clearly exposing the priority of his life, the purpose of his life. He said, I've not come to do my own will, but I've come to do the will of who? My Father. I, 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 I always do those things that please him. Now, I want to ask you a question, and it's an obvious question. I don't want you to answer it out loud. But who are you really living to do the will of, and who are you living to please? Because we have lived so long in this world before we came to Christ, it's become the way of life of us as human beings to live our will for our pleasure and our glory. And that has to change, and that's something that needs to be pruned out. It's got to be cut off. We have to, if we're going to follow Christ, just like Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself. First step in being a follower of Christ, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Then you can follow me. 
But until we're able to deny ourselves, and God will put his finger because he's the one, the vine dresser. God the Father is the vine dresser that does this pruning. He begins to point at different things in our lives and say, that's not, that's not helping you. That's hindering you. And what our natural response usually is, is, no, it's not. No, no, this is good. This is good. I like this. I enjoy this. I just got this. Leave it alone. Now, if you don't clearly and completely believe that God is love and he's got your best interest at heart, in that moment, you might be tempted, like Eve was, to think, you know, I don't know if I believe everything he says. I'm just going to let that sink in. Because we, we think some ridiculous things, all of us do. But now we're thinking that the one who is the way, the truth, the life is wrong. And we who have such a stellar track record are right. Now, if, if you've got a lot of pride in you, that's going to really rile you up and you're going to be just pushing that back. But you can push back all you want, but truth is not going to change. That's why God never has to change. And that's why we always have to change. Because the only way we have a truth in our life is through God. And everything else that we've held and accumulated and amassed, whether it is physically in our life or whether it is reference points that we have or, or whatever it is, if it doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, it's got to go if we're going to continue to go from glory to glory. If we're going to continue on our movement towards being the best that God created us to be. And if not, we become Christian campers. And you'll find Christian campers where you left them. Wherever they decided, this is good enough for me. But I hope none of it is ever, we're appreciative of everything. But we never want to quit walking with God. We always want to experience this new and living way that we can walk in. That is always transformational. And so Jesus, Jesus showed his life was laser focused. I only do those things that please my father. I'm not here to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And he told us in Matthew 6.33 that our priority ought to be we should seek first. When it says seek first or pursue first or value first or desire first, what does that leave room for as far as competition? Nothing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this was all Jesus was saying this to his disciples and a group of people because they were all talking about, you know, I need this and I need this and I've got to, I've got to take time to do this to get that. And I've got, to, I've got to pursue this to get that. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. In the world, it works that way because back in the garden when Adam and Eve fell, 
God said, by the sweat of your brow, you'll produce. It's what you can do. But in the kingdom of God, it's what God can do. And what you'll, you and I will let God do. And when we seek first all these other things, Jesus said that the Gentiles are pursuing will be added to you. God's going to bring it to you. Now, is God going to bring you everything you want? Absolutely not. Because there's a lot of stuff we want that isn't good for us. Oh, that didn't go over well. <laughs> no, it's true. There are things, look back on your prayer life, stuff you prayed for, and you look back and you think, man, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. God's only going to give you the best. And some of this stuff that looks really good is not good. It's just not good. And so he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul. You know, this is not just a Jesus thing. This is the, the truth about Christians, Christ followers. And the Apostle Paul affirms this. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, he writes, by the inspiration of who? So whose word really is this? Even though it's in a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, who was the one that was the, the power behind this letter, the, the, the reason for this letter? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was the one that caused Paul to realize he needed to write to the church at Colossae, these things. And this is what he writes. Speaking of Jesus, he also is the head of his body, the church, seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he alone, when, when, when we talk about something alone, does it have anything else with it? No, he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place. This is talking about our lives, that Jesus alone, no competition, nothing near to him, he alone and in everything. That's really exclusive and really vast. Might occupy the chief place, stand first and be preeminent. And we've talked about preeminence before. The word preeminent means to be First, first, alone in rank, value, and influence. Alone, the first, none near it. None has any higher rank, any higher value, or any higher influence in our lives. And when I say that, I'm immediately challenged by the very fact that in my life, there are all sorts of things. There are unlimited things that want to influence my decisions, my actions, my values. And I, if I am living the way God wants, I have to guard myself from that. And be very intentional and aware that there is only one alone in everything that holds the chief place, has the first place in rank in my life. There's nothing higher in my life. I'm not higher. 
He's highest. Nothing more valuable in my life. Debbie's not higher. My kids aren't higher. He's the highest valuable in my life. My savings account isn't higher. My job isn't higher. He's the highest value in my life. And then, of all the things that want to influence me, there's nothing and no one that influences me more. My desire to be at peace, not the peace of God, I'm talking about the tranquility around me, is not more valuable to me or more influential to me, so I compromise because I know if I stand strong for Christ, lovingly take a stand for Christ, not for a political party, Christ for the word of God that some people may not like me. Some people may talk about me. I'm going to tell you something. Can I just tell you a secret just between us here today? People are talking about you anyways. All right, so that's not going to, you're not going to have a time that people don't have an opinion about you. And one of the things that we all know is everybody's, people's opinions change, but God's doesn't. The only one that's going to love you all the time, whether you do good, whether you do bad, is God. And so don't, don't live to please everybody else, live to please God. Because in essence, in truth, you and I and everything that was created was created for his pleasure. So we ought to get in line with what we were created for, don't you think? Why, 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 why? Why should he alone in everything and in every respect occupy the chief place, be first? Because what does the Bible say about division? What, what, what happens to a kingdom divided? It falls. What happens to a city divided? What happens to a house divided? And that's as low as it goes, right? It just nothing below that. But what happens with a, a life that's divided? It falls. The Bible tells us that a double-minded man or woman that's going between a number of things is number one, unstable in all their ways. And we know that. When we can't make a decision, oh, I want to do this, 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 makes you crazy. But it also says they'll not receive anything from God. Well, I'm in faith, but I'm in fear. You can't be in faith and fear. Understand, fear can come towards you, but you need to turn towards God. Don't turn towards your fear. You know, everybody says face your fear, and I understand what they're saying. You have to overcome it. But I'm telling you, the only way you're going to be able to face and overcome your fear is face God. Because God will bring you through any and everything that you, you encounter if you'll just trust him, if I'll just trust him. Also, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, in the Amplified, wrote this. Again, Holy Spirit behind him, causing him to write this to people back in Corinth, but for you and me here in Rome. 
Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the honor and glory of God. Do all for what? For the honor and glory of God. And that, again, if we just take that and take a moment and really, really are honestly open with our lives, who are we living so that honor comes to and glory comes to? Who are we living to really please? And I will tell you, this has been some of the most challenging teachings that I have. Every teaching is challenging because before it ever comes to you, it's working in me. And, and I will tell you this, I don't ever share something that I am not looking for God to work in my life. But most times when I share it, it's not a complete work yet. And I don't know if it'll ever be. But it's one of those things where I am more aware throughout my days than ever before. And I, I wasn't ignorant of this. But my, my reference point, my constant is, all right, God. What do you want? Is this going to honor you? Is this, is this pleasing to you or is this me wanting to get my way because I want this and, and I don't really care? I haven't even considered what you want. Because again, one of the, one of the most important things we need to realize is there are a lot of good things in our lives. And one of the things that I hear universally is, man, I'm so busy. And I watch families and individuals just cram more stuff. And I'm included into our lives. And our lives, we're running. It's like running downhill. And I've shared this before, but it's true. I, I see myself at times. Man, I'm running as fast as I can. And wow, look at that. Let me add that. And I'm trying to take enough steps to keep myself upright before I just yard sale. How much stuff do we need in our lives to make us feel complete? How much stuff and what stuff do we need in our lives to feel fulfilled? I'm going to tell you all this stuff, all this stuff will never make you complete or fulfilled. All the relationships that you want to pursue will never make you complete or fulfilled. There's only one. And that's a relationship with God. It all comes from there. And that relationship with God, if it's not solid and if it's not stable, then the next relationship you have will not be what God intended because you can't have that relationship without a relationship with God because it'll be self-oriented. But when we allow God to begin to deal with self, and that's what this is. This pruning is all about dealing with self. Because if, if we're already aware the sin needs to come out of our life, the next thing that needs to be taken care of is self. We need to die to self so that we can live for Christ. Until you and I are willing to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, to say no to us, to let go of everything and say, God, I am living for an audience of one. 
then we're going to have things in our lives that are going to divide our lives. And just like a, a vine, if we'd show those picture, pictures, John, of pruning, if you'll see the guy that's pruning, it's done after the growing season. And what they do is they go along the main vine and the, the main branch, and they begin to prune off all the new growth that's occurred in that past year, and you see him cutting this thing off. And it's hard to see what the vine looks like behind him, but go to the next picture, John. Do you notice in the foreground he's already pruned that? It almost looks like he's just chopped the life out of it. But I want you to understand he's taking away things that were good. They were growing. They were alive. They were, they were positive. But every one of those, go to the next one, John. You notice how it's all tall and, and, and that's all new growth? In the next growing season, all of those branches, all of those things that are new growth would be pulling on the vine to get nutrients, to get all the resources they needed to grow farther, but they'd never produce fruit. And the places that produce fruit would now start to atrophy. The fruit would become smaller and, and less sweet to the point where because a grapevine is prone to growing long and wild instead of producing fruit, it would come to the place where it would no longer produce fruit because it wanted new. I want new. I want farther. I want longer. And isn't that like us? Man, we, we, we do new good. But we don't do deep well. And God wants deep. It's not about all the show. It's about the stability, the security that's in your life, the peace and the joy that, that impact other people. And so there's this pruning goes on. He's, he's cutting off these things, these good things, these things that were alive, these things that were growing, but what they become is something that divides the focus and the resource of the vines, just like things in your life and my life begin to draw away, they're good things. I'm going to get myself in trouble this morning. I can just feel it. You know, there are all sorts of good things in our lives. You know, the more God blesses you, the more options you see you, we all feel we have. If God begins to financially bless you, you know, you have more options to go on vacations and buy all sorts of things and do all sorts of things. But all those things can be the very thing like these vines where it's just pulling you away from God. You know, I've got a new, I got a new house up in the mountains, so I'm going up to my house in the mountains. Well, what about the connection in the body of Christ? Oh, yeah, but I've got this house. Or at, at the beach. And I'm not against anybody, and I don't know who has a house in the mountains or the beach, but I'd like to talk to you after service. <laughs> I'm kidding. It could be anything. It could be anything, and it's not bad. Understand, it's not bad. It's good. 
But sometimes, and it was Rockefeller that said, you've got to be willing to let go of the good to get, go after the best. And it's hard to let go of the good. Especially in the world and the times we're living in. Man, if it's good, I don't want to let it go. Why should I let it go? I'm going to ride this out for as long as I can because who knows what's ahead. I'll tell you what's ahead. In the world, it's going to grow darker and more desperate and more destructive. But you're in this world, not of this world. And what's ahead for you is you're going from glory to glory. God's word says, arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. As the darkness gets darker, the glory of God is going to be filling your lives if you let God fill your life. Because the glory of God, it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. God having his way, God guiding us, God governing us, God guarding us. But if we're guiding, we're governing, we're guarding, we're going to be all over the place. We're going to amass all sorts of things that we think are good. And they're going to continue to divide our focus and our affections and our allegiance and our faithfulness and our time and weaken our relationship, our our fellowship with God and our fruit. In 1 Corinthians 10, did we do 31 already? Okay. Well, we're to do all to the honor and glory of God. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle with self. Self wants the honor. Self wants the glory. Self wants its pleasure. And and we're supposed to deny ourselves. It's just like what happened with Eve and Adam in the garden. You know, the enemy came to tempt them, just like the enemy comes to tempt you and me every day. And he started to bring questions to Eve about God. Does God really have your best interest at heart? Is God really wanting you to be the best you can be? Or is there something better out there? And, and when he began to tempt her with the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... All of a sudden, there was Eve in Genesis chapter 3, and in verse 6 it says she looked at the fruit. And as she looked at the fruit, some things started happening inside her, how she viewed it, not in light of what God said, but in light of herself. Now, we'll get back to that, but in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 23 the Apostle Paul writes, and, and what he writes is something that we need to be aware of. First uh, Corinthians 10, 23, he said, you say, I have the right to do anything. Now, if we weren't in church and I said, do you have the right to do anything? You would likely say, yeah, pretty much so. And then he writes, but not everything is helpful. Again, you say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything builds up. So we, we do. We have the right. Is God forcing anybody to do anything or not do anything? No, we have the right to do anything, but is it true that not everything is helpful? 
Absolutely. And not everything we do builds us up. Not everything develops us. There are things we do that tear us down. Things we choose that are detrimental to just our physical life. Not even talking about our spiritual life. And yet we still do it. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, in the message translation, it says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. If we're just doing what we want, we're not free. We're becoming a slave to our desires, and that's part of what God doesn't want us to be a slave to. He wants us to be slaves or servants of righteousness, servants of God. Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25, but it, it's the same thing. It says there's a way that seems right or one, another translation says good to a man, but its end is the way of death. Think back. Think back about all the things that you've chosen and some of those things you thought they were really good, they were right, they weren't. But God's the one that knew that before you did. And that's where with Eve, she looked at the fruit and it says she saw the tree was good for food, was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. And then she took the fruit and ate it, and then she gave fruit to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Why? Whose direction and guidance was she walking in? Now, the enemy tempted her, causes her to question God. So who she had always relied on and followed was God, and now the enemies caused her to wonder, 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 wonder who is true. And when we start to doubt that God's true, then who are we naturally going to fall back on to rely on? Say it. Ourselves. We're going to fall back on relying on ourselves. And I don't know who said it. I remember I heard it years ago, and I have always held to this. You take the word sin, and the word sin, if you use each one of those letters, it stands for self-indulgent nature. We're always going to get into sin when we just indulge ourselves. When we follow us, we're not going God's way. Because us... As a human being without God, doesn't know the right way. But that's where we have to deny ourselves. We can't look at what's good. She saw the fruit was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and desirable. Good, pleasant, and desirable. How many times do we make decisions based on what's good, what's pleasurable, and what's desirable? And I would tell you that if we were really honest about the decisions we make, a majority of them are based on that. I don't want to do anything hard. I don't want to hurt, so I want it to be pleasurable. 
that doesn't look good. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Now, understand, Jesus struggled with it too. When he had to go to the cross, it didn't look good, wasn't necessarily pleasurable or desirable, but he said, not my will, your will be done. Because the fact and truth was, God's will was the best even though it looked the worst. You and I can't tell. We do not have the capacity in ourselves to be able to determine what's good and what's not good. Only God. And that's why we have to rely on him. We have to rely on his word. When we think about denying ourselves, that does not sound good. But it brings the life that God has for us. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth, the solemn truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone all by itself. If it dies, it will produce lots of fruit. This is, Jesus was talking about himself. He was talking about being crucified and buried and resurrected and the fruit that would come from his obedience to his father. But he's also talking about us. You know, if we, as people that God has a plan for, if we are not willing to give up our own plans and our own desires and dreams and turn them all over to God. Because is your plan best or God's plan best? It's hard to, it's hard to say. God's plan. And until we're willing to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves. We're always going to be divided in our lives and we're going to be limiting the fruit that's produced. We're not going to be able to experience the fullness of what God has because we're going between this and God. And that's compromise. If Jesus is Lord, he's Lord of all. And if he's not Lord, He's not Lord at all. And in this hour, we know, the Bible tells us that there is a harvest that's about to be reaped. In the last days, the greatest harvest of souls, another type of fruit, is about to be reaped. And he wants all the body of Christ involved in it, but not all the body will be. Because we're making choices that either disqualify us, it doesn't mean we're not going to heaven, but disqualifies us from being a part of that or qualifies us because we're getting too busy. We're getting too much going on. We're, 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 our allegiance and our our love for so many other things is competing with our love for God. And every bit of that weakens the fruit that's produced in our lives and pulls us farther away. It becomes more comfortable and easy 
not to go to church, not to read our Bible, not to, not to fellowship with believers, not to hold the standard that the Word of God gives us. And so we can, we can compromise here and there, but that compromise will kill things in our lives. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And This morning, it's, it's been an intense message, but it's a good message because we can see adjustments. And I believe Holy Spirit's been letting each of us know. He's been letting me know this morning. As I've been speaking, there are things that need to change. I need to, to remove, to cut some things off, to release some things in my life, to let them go and not pursue anymore so that I can use what resources, time or, or focus or, or mental uh, capacity, I, I can use it for him instead of what it was. And we are, we are more pulled than ever before. We have so many things that are looking good and pleasant and desirable, and, and, and they're competing for our life in God. But God won't make you do this. God will point it out. But then you have to use your will to say no, to cut that off. Is it easy? No. Is it pleasant? No. Is it desirable? No. All the things that we don't want, but it's everything we do want if we want what God wants. Because it'll bring you the greatest life. And, and please understand, this life that you and I are living right now is temporary. We're heading to eternity. Eternity has no end. What we do in this life does affect what happens in the next life. And so don't live for this life, for what's comfortable or convenient or pleasant or desirable. Live for what's right, what's true, what's God. Father, I pray right now that you would help me and help all of us become aware, not overwhelmed, Father, you'd never do that, but become aware of things that, that are good, that are maybe pleasant or desirable. They may be things they may be stuff, they may be activities, they may be relationships, but they're not what you have for us. And help us have the courage to be able to turn away from them, to release them, to allow the pruning of them and the purging of them so that we can be more connected, more committed, more content in you. Father, I've tried to do the best I know how to do to share this word. And Father, I pray that no one would, would be condemned, but your spirit would convict all of us that we would, we would grow. We would grow in your grace, grow in your knowledge, grow in your love, grow in your fruit grow in our influence and impact in this world for your kingdom. Grow in our pleasing of you and fulfilling of your will. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Um, if, if you haven't been water baptized since you believed, it's something that the Bible tells us. It's, it's a uh, valuable and important thing to do. 
And uh, we've seen a lot of people's lives change dramatically. Um, if you haven't and want to, please sign up and be prepared to be at the class uh, after the second service. Um, please keep Linda and Bob, Bob's over here, uh, Linda and Bob in your prayers and their family. Linda had a fall and uh, has had some, some pretty intense surgery, uh, but we know that God is her healer and he is going to turn this around and work it for good and cause her to be stronger and better than ever before, but the process is not always as quick as we all want it to be and, and uh, what we want it to be, but we, we are praying and thanking God that, that she is the healed and that she is going to experience God's goodness and provision, uh, her and her family. So please be praying for them. I just want to pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of your children here today. I thank you for your spirit working in all of our lives. I thank you, Father, that we can be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, that, Father, we would desire the sincere milk of your word and we would grow in your grace and in your knowledge, that, Father, we would come to the place where we develop enough to have strong meat, things that we have to chew on, that, that aren't as easy and comfortable and convenient to consume, but, Father, we, we don't just want the ease, we want the growth. We want the development for your glory, Heavenly Father, for, for your glory, Lord Jesus, for you, Holy Spirit, to truly guide us and, and impact us and impart to us the things that we need. And we thank you. We thank you this week that we can walk with you and know you and make you known and that the influence you have on us, we can impart to the people around us, that they would know the joy, the life, the peace, the love that you have for every one of us. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.